This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. It is Power Lunch on Power 98.7. Mondays are our favorite because we talk about one of the most important aspects. Really something that makes the world go round. Oh, is that what are we talking about? Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. Well, yeah, absolutely. When it comes to money, it's so important. And it's so important to know what you're doing with your money as well. There are several unsuspecting ways people may inadvertently be engaging in money-related crimes without even realizing it. Our topic of discussion today is money crimes you don't even know you're committing. These can include activities like unintentional money laundering, through everyday financial transactions, unknowingly passing counterfeit currency, inadvertently engaging in identity theft and fraud, or unintentionally violating tax laws or financial regulations. In this conversation, we will be understanding the complexities of financial laws and regulations to avoid unwitting involvement in money crimes and being aware of the potential consequences. Give us a call with your um, thoughts, comments as it comes up, uh, if you relate to any of these, on 0861-987-000. Now, our guests on the line, experts with law and money. First up, we have Melusi Kulu, attorney and um, at uh, Donda Attorneys. Melusi, welcome to Power Lunch. Um, good afternoon, uh, Papi, and good afternoon to the listeners at home and to uh, the fellow guests. Uh, with us as well. Yes, absolutely. Fellow guest, Tax Now Now founder, who, when we talk about money, when we talk about tax issues, she's the one in the know. Hello, Natasha Lord. Hello, Pavi. How are you? How are all the listeners? I hope it's a good Monday. Absolutely. Lovely to have you both here. All right. So, how common is it, Melusi, I'll start with you, that we may be committing crimes and not even know we are? Um, I would start with money laundering. Oh, okay. Can I? Yeah, let me just start with that one. Well, obviously, money laundering is a, an illegal process where uh, you're making large amounts of money to appear as if uh, they're coming from a legitimate source where they were generated by criminal activity. Mm. So there is a case currently happening, I will not get into details because it's in court, Mm -hmm. but there was a certain gentleman that stole a large amount of money from a bank, uh, more than 100 million. So what happened was when he got that money, he made a lot of transactions, some to his wife, some to several companies, some to several people who were close to him. Mm -hmm. So what happened was a lot of people were arrested because there will be money in their bank accounts and they will have to explain what happened. Maybe the person will get money in his or her bank account and they'll go and buy a car. And some will make it appear as if they were doing a business and then they'll go and buy maybe a house or something like that. So there is money laundering in, 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 in its basic form. So what happens is how does it make one 
to in a way where they are not really sure be found to, to be committing a crime. Yes. It's happened in this way. Someone will say, look, I've got, I've got uh, 300,000. I need to buy a car. I'll transfer it to your account. Then you can go and buy possibly a double cap of maybe somewhere along those lines in terms of the amount, and it's a second hand. Then you, you, the person, maybe it's a person who's close to you, maybe it's your, it's your fiance, it's your wife, or it's your boyfriend, or it's your husband. And you get that money and you go and buy it. Now, when they investigate that person and they, they do a, pap- a paper trade, sure. obviously your account will come up. Obviously, the car that you bought, which will be seen that you bought the car, is in your name because it's your, it's your, it's your, it's your, it's your, it's your man or woman who sent that money. So now you're finding yourself having to answer to things that you don't know. Mm. Obviously, you will then be arrested. This is where we possibly come in to maybe try and explain away how it came that you got the money in your account. But you might find yourself in the situation. Let me explain a second mm. way through money laundering. You might be working for a certain boss who will get some millions from someone. Then they will send you around inverted commas as an ice boy to go and do maybe buy material for building, do this and this. You know, to do the payments for workers, they'll just transfer money to you. But remember, that money comes from money that is stolen. So now you're going around doing things for your boss, not knowing exactly where that money come from, mm. comes from. But when the hawks come, they will not ask many things. They'll just, you know, arrest you. Mm. The last example, we've seen how the lotto, you know, has brought people into court. Well, not caught yet, but they've been, they've been investigated by the SIU. So some situation like this, some, someone might get money from Lotto. The way maybe they might say, no, they've got an NGO, an NPO. But then they'll transfer large amounts of money to your account, and you'll be thinking it's legit. So then you'll have to answer. So the best form of defense, mm. if you do have a defense, is to explain it away by giving the impression that, there was nothing wrong that you did. You did not know exactly where it came from. They gave you an explanation that the money is legit. You have to have some form of explanation that way. But I think that I'll end there for now so that we can engage. I mean, you've heard what Melusi had to say, Natasha. Perhaps you, you'd like to weigh in on those three types of unwitting money laundering. Yeah, I think what I'd like to add is just that a funny part of the law that people don't think is applicable is that there is also tax payable on funds that are received, even if these funds are received in an illegal manner. Mm. The tax is still payable on these amounts. And the government, whether or not you are, you know, it doesn't just end with you being prosecuted because you've, you've got these, you've obtained these funds, you know, in an illegal fashion or illegal way. On top of that, if you have not paid uh, funds, if you have not paid tax on these funds, you know, SARS does have the right to pursue litigation. And, um, and so that just layers on top of the like, illegalities and, and the consequences of. Um, another way that I do see this happening uh, a lot in, in my practice when advising people, especially when you're working with people that you care about or people that you love, mm. uh, is that this idea of opening up different companies 
in in another person's name mm. and not knowing again what Melissa said, where do these funds come from? Mm. If you are having these companies that are opened up in your name, a lot of people want to shirk the responsibility to whoever is managing it. Mm. And that's really, really a distinction that does not apply in the law. Yes, there are implications if you have people managing, but, but at the end of the day, the person who is on that company certificate, at the end of the day, the person who is um, recognized by law has taken on the responsibility to have the information to know what is going on in this company. And so you can't just kind of absolve yourself because of ignorance. And so I've seen that a lot where people don't even know that they have companies opened in their name. What? And a lot of times if someone can't open up a company in their name, there needs to be a really good reason why that is the case. And people should get very curious as to why they're being used as a, as a pawn in the game. All right, you've said so many things, both of you. Um, that's Natasha we've just lost. Let's try and get her back. We just have to wait that sound out. Okay, it's gone. Um, Melusi, I think we're going to get Melusi back. Melusi, I mean, I, I want to talk about a couple of things, right? First of all, you're saying if money is put into your account, um, it seems to me you always have to be very cautious and careful of what money is being put into your account? Yes. I mean, <clears throat> even if someone says they will transfer that money into your account, at least get a, a clear idea where the, the money that they will transfer into your account comes from. You know, I would possibly even have a conversation on WhatsApp to say, hey, you said you're going to transfer 200000 for your business and you needed to me to do a certain transfer. Can we clarify what that uh, um, transfer is about? Then the response will be, uh, I, possibly, I just want to transfer it into your account so that you can quickly transfer immediate payments because the person I'm transferring you is using a same bank account as yours. You know, something like that. Then when they won't. The police... If they're criminals, they'll send you a voice <laughs> note or they'll say, ah, yeah. we can't talk about these things on the phone. <laughs> So, so you know, not smart enough. There we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and something like that. Because, mm. you know, it's very sad, um, um, Papi, when mm. people have to answer to things that you could see that, no, this one was not really something that was intentional. So, also, what Natasha said is important. Mm. Someone will transfer money into you, huge amounts of money, which is taxable, then then you have to pay us as well. So that, so I, that, I, that part I also... Yeah, that part I also really want to clarify, Natasha. So if, if money is illegal money and it's transferred to you, I mean, the a legal process possibly of, of recouping those funds happens, but are you saying the tax implication then still sits with you? Absolutely. So a lot of cases also, which is more of an innocent or naive way that this might happen, yeah. is that someone just says, hey, please receive these funds from me. Yes. Um, sometimes it's not an innocent thing. Maybe they don't want to be too close to receiving those funds, to the people who are receiving those funds. So they try and add an extra layer or a barrier. However, even if you're just you know, receiving the money in and, and sending it out, you need to have a justified reason for that. And you need to be able to pay the tax on that. So that's kind of if it's somewhat above board or towing the line. But if it's illegal funds, you do need to do the tax returns on that, even if it is proven to be illegal funds. There is a provision for this in the Tax Act. 
And, and so this is actually what nails a lot of people. This is something that the government does use to nail a lot of people is mm. that you didn't pay any tax on your illegal money, therefore we get you for tax um, evasion. And that's it's an important distinction because regardless if you if you've received that money and it's illegal, you need to pay tax. And it goes through the same process. It has the same deductions, funnily enough, but it has the same uh, legal recourse for whether you did it innocently and ignorantly or if you did it intentionally. And sometimes even more punitive because obviously intentional evasion is, is something that is, is more rigorously sought, sought out mm. um, because you're really trying to avoid avoid paying taxes in an illegal way. But yeah, more than that, I have seen it done kind of on a very personal basis. People want to siphon money out of an entity that they're working for. Mm. So they send it to somebody else under their personal name or they send it to a company. The most dangerous cases that we see it pay, pay, pay out, or let me say most um, expensive ways we see it paid out is, hey, I have this company, but we have so many directors. And so uh, I'm just going to pay you a contract to see and you'll just send me that money. Not understanding what creates a tax event. Maybe, you know, they get a percentage off the top from facilitating that, but there is a real tax implication for being that conduit. Um, and so it's important for people to know that if they're receiving money, ask questions, where does this money come from? But also understand the game you're playing. More money is more responsibility, and that requires a higher level of compliance that if you're not comprehending, you will definitely be penalized for. Mm. Zero eight six one nine eight seven triple zero. It's Money Monday, and the particular money crimes that you may be committing or may implicate yourself in that you're not quite aware you are. Uh, the first one brought up by Donda Attorney M D Melusi Kulu is the issue of money laundering and the different ways that that can happen. And our tax specialist Natasha Lord also mentioning how tax events are created. So even if it is money that you have to return or give back in some sort of legal proceeding, you may still be sitting with the legal implication. All right, this is very interesting, Melusi. What would you like to talk about next? Um, Natasha did talk about it, but I I probably want to come with that topic from a criminal court's point of view, a specialized Mm -hmm. commercial crime. Mm -hmm. It's where I don't know whether Natasha gets this type of client, but let's talk about tender partnership. Mm. You get a huge yeah. tender. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> yeah, she's Natasha giggling. Saying, yeah. Yep, she's heard of this. She's experienced <laughs> you it. Get a, yeah. You get a huge yeah. tender. Okay, huge is subjective, but you get a tender of 2.5 million. Obviously, not obviously, but sometimes you might find that the person is going to authorize payments and make sure that you get sorted. Might be an inside person who will say, I'm not saying which party they are coming from, but maybe the, the person will say, hey, chief, for me to make a payment of yours, I, 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 honest, I obviously need 50%. Just mm-hmm. making an example. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the construction uh, of a certain bridge. So that 2.5 million now, that means 1.2 Five million will go to that person who's going to assist you in making sure you get the tender and you get paid. The kickback. No, the kickback. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's less, maybe it's 30%, sure. but I'm just making an example. Yes. 
Then the bridge, obviously, now will not be built the right way, but obviously I'm not there talking about tax. Mm -hmm. So that 2.5 million, what is the 15% Natasha? That's that's your (laughs) calculation. You you end up not paying tax. Obviously, when that 1.25 million comes in, you want to buy a new car. I'm not saying all of us think like that. Mm. But you want to buy a new car, you want to pay your your workers, you want to do the project. But at the end of the day, you will say for the year 2019 and 2020, you will then say you you didn't make any money. So you report and say you did not uh, get any income for that year. The next year, same thing applies. It's another 5 million, maybe 30%. And you don't you don't you don't pay your tax as well and you say you never made any income. So they'll investigate you. You'll be thinking you've got away with it. They'll investigate you. You must make sure obviously that you've got the right people to do your tax uh, issues. But when they investigate you, they'll find out that you actually made in the last two, three years possibly seven point five million. But you did not pay tax and you also stated that you did not make any money. So I've seen a trend somehow when it comes to tax courts, so to speak, Mm -hmm. that certain tenderpreneurs or a number of them, they end up not uh, giving information what they did. And they end up, uh, because of of these agreements that they have, they end up not making enough money to pay tax. So I've seen that. And obviously, when you come to us as criminal attorneys, it's very difficult for us to defend that because the paper trail is there and you've, you've already done what you've, it's alleged that you've done and we can't defend you in most of the time. So you end up having to pay a fine or imprisonment. Hang on, Melusi, help me understand. So you're saying you get the 100000 um, tender, and then obviously you've got to pay the kickback, so you're only actually getting 50, and so you're saying then you're taxed on the 400,000, but you don't have the, the, the other 50, so then you are immediately in some sort of tax debt. Can you repeat again? Ooh. Uh, are you, are you getting me, Natasha? It, it, am I, I, I on the right, am I on yeah. the right track? It's exactly that. What happens is that people only account for cash in, cash out. And this is why you'll find that a lot of these projects either don't work out or their cash flow problems because of just basic financial principles. It's, it's, you know, life is, is complicated. And so we think we can hold a lot of thoughts and do mental math, but sometimes you need to put it down on paper. And one thing that's always left out of the calculation of how much am I really making is going to be the tax. Mm. Uh, on top of that, I'd like to layer it. If you, a lot of these uh, guys get these tenders, and this is the first time that they're touching a million rand. I mean, this is something that happened that happened a lot with my practice um, when, especially in small towns. But mm. I see it happening in big towns too. It's just that small towns you have the opportunity to kind of go from quote unquote rags to riches mm. at quite an exponential jump. So you get a small tender, whether it's stationary or it's maintenance or it's something big if you've partnered up people then do something called joint ventures and they partner up with bigger firms but only for their credentials right and they give a kickback to say okay give me these credentials of CIDB so that I can get this uh, 5 million 10 million rand job but it's the first time they're doing something at that scale but the other party doesn't get involved and then they obviously now need to pay the person who's issued out that uh, tender to them 
So they get this amount of money and they're making all these payments for the favors, all the quid pro quo scratching of that. Mm, mm. And then they also have the costs of what they need to do. And they think that they're going to sit with the profit, where in fact you end up being in a state where a lot of these guys just don't have any money. Yeah. And then starts come scratching on their back or knocking on their door mm. for two reasons. The first is, we need to tax you on the total amount that you've made yeah. because in someone's mind, they're only thinking about the fact that the money that they quote-unquote made is less all of these expenses, which they're not very comfortable <laughs> disclosing because it's going to be cash withdrawals and this and this. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to disclose the expenses and therefore they only work on the quote-unquote income that they mm-hmm. have and they sit with what they have at the end of the day and they think to themselves, well, I don't have that much left. There's no tax implication which sets off alarm bells now hmm. because you not only do you have the issue of the income tax, which is obviously your, your total income for the project, less your total expenses, which a majority of them may be even more than on surface of 50% is not justifiable. And then you've also got the issue of that, which kicks in as soon as you earn a million rand. So now on top of them trying to, taking the income tax payable, they can go back within a period of five years and take the 15% that you did not charge or you did not keep the record of. And so it's a further 15%. You can see how these percentages start adding up. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you're paying someone 30% and you're paying another joint venture partner another 30% or 20%, and then you've got the 15% from SARS and another 20% that comes from income tax, plus you're looking at interest and penalties because of the failure to submit. Right. You know, at the end yeah. of the day, it's very easy to end up in a deficit where the cost of doing business just doesn't make sense because you didn't understand what cost drivers are. And as much as people think they're going to have a, a buck and, and they're going to spend the money at um, a dealership and get a, a nice Land Rover, it goes right back into SARS because they come back and they start taking these these things and workers are not happy because they're not going to get paid. And so we see halfway through, you know, a few tranches through these projects where they come through to people like myself or anybody, they find themselves as money lenders trying to apply for credit because they found that they've uh. actually dug themselves in a hole that's way too deep. Um, all the project just doesn't get seen through. So there are a lot of just different ways that it can end, but a lot of cases that I've seen where people are telling me, you know, I've had these problems, it's, it's typically because of this. I mean, we dealt with a case um, that came that was about 25 million rand just due to the fact, not not the illegal side of things, but because when they did take on a project, they didn't take into account the effect of that tax would have. And so they overspent and they spent money that wasn't theirs. So that's another inadvertent way that might not necessarily be dealing with kickbacks and illegal money and activity, mm. but you get a project and you don't understand that you need to set aside money, not just for tax, not just for, for, um, for your employees, but for, for that. Um, and even even with employees as well, people don't realize they can go to jail if they have employees and they're not paying over that tax. That that's 90% of state income is personal tax. Uh, so there's so many ways, whether you're getting the money from illegal activities or you're just not planning out the cash flow with regards to your taxes. 
This is good information. Um, Lucy and Natasha, hang on the line for me as we go find out what's happening in the very latest power headlines. I've got your posts that are coming through on X. Thank you. And I'd also like to hear from you on um, WhatsApp, 83 And knowledge, I see your call as well. I get to all of those after this, your 2.30 power headlines. Speak up. Call the power line on 0861-987-000. Absolutely. That is the number that you can dial, uh, like knowledge has, as we speak about money crimes you didn't know you were committing or how money crimes work. And I suppose also, you know, money crimes that you get brought into unwittingly. Natasha Lord is Tax Now Now founder, talking to us from a tax uh, a law point of view and Melusi Kulu is Donda attorney MD uh, talking to us from the legal point of view Knowledge you're in Pretoria hello yes good afternoon um, yeah, I just been to Knowledge I just want to find out we have a situation that happened uh, to us if I say us I mean me and other thousands of Zimbabweans whereby we have been um, depositing money it was a stock fell into a registered company called Zimbabwe Network Migration Program, and the director of that company is called uh, Luke Mofaro Tsuiti, who used to be the, uh, the chairman of the Zimbabwe Federation uh, Migration, the one that represents Zimbabwe at the Omar phase uh, case against the, the Zimbabwe special permit. Oh, wow. So what happened is that we have been uh, depositing money into that, that account, FNB account, and uh, according to him, the chairman, he said... Uh, it was more than six million, so I just wonder if he paid uh, tax on that money because to get our uh, money back, our shares in December. But ever since that, since there is on the run, we don't know where he is, and the uh, people are actually crying now because they never got their money. And he actually posted on record himself with over ten million uh, runs on the on the desk oh. saying have you ever seen how 10 million looks like in cash we do have the picture of him from his whatsapp uh, post so i've reported the case uh, with the Santon uh, police station three weeks ago and uh it seems like i'm not getting uh the uh, the, uh, the results that i actually deserve and we have reported the different cases everywhere but we seem not to getting a lot. We need to expose this corruption because the man is, uh, seem to be on the run, but it believes like he's still in South Africa. And then tell me quickly, Knowledge, um, did any of you get any money back or not? No, we didn't get the money back because what happened is we, the monies were due to be paid for myself personally. Yes. I was uh, supposed to be paid on the 10th of December. Yes. And I've been talking to him. We have a chance that he was saying, uh, you get the money tomorrow after the audit. Uh. So when that time arrived, I never got the money. Okay. Then he exchanged. He said, no, we're going to our original plan whereby people will get their money on the 31st of January. So come I mean, 31st we're on of the January, 26th of February now. Nothing. Yes, 31st of January, nobody yeah. got paid. Yeah. And the problem is we have our most vulnerable people. We're talking about the house workers, the garden boys, who were sacrificing the little that they were getting to to yeah. invest because they were promised a threefold payment. I understand. But until now, there's no communication. He changed his numbers that we used to conduct with him. He's not available. We cannot get out of him. Sure. So, yeah, it is a worrisome situation. Was there a written agreement? Yes, we do have. I do have. Uh, I can actually send you all the documentation. I will say, share certificates. We have got all the information. As I'm saying, I opened the case. I've sent all the information. We do have a lot of information 
I even wrote to some of the reporters, but we still need someone to help us to publish so that we can actually expose that. Because if we don't do that, it's gonna uh, it's gonna cause damage to other people. So you might, might most people might fail into that uh, criminal criminal conduct. Yes, as well. of course. All right, Melusi, you heard knowledge's story. What is what's your say? Well, it looks like it was some kind of pyramid scheme or Ponzi scheme by by that gentleman who was uh, inviting people to invest in the scheme. Um, obviously, I'm not an expert when it comes to investment, but I think maybe they should have properly scrutinized the agreement to make sure that in terms of shareholding, it's proper. And it's, it's also reaches that because there's, there's laws that have to do with um, uh, shareholding and, and so forth. So I think they should have started there because obviously when he first presented it, it looked like it was something that was legit. I mean, we've heard stories of um, prominent um, traders who were even uh, teaching people here in Devon and in Jobek how to trade. Eventually, uh, they've been arrested. I think one or two of them. Obviously, I don't want to say names at this point to avoid legal issues for myself. But I know there's a guy who's been arrested, including his wife, uh, for presenting certain investments to to look proper. So I I think the police should uh, really assist the gentleman because in terms of tax, I'm not too sure whether he was intending on doing anything legit, but the point is he, he did a fraudulent act that he did. And he must be arrested for that. Because, Natasha, that's how he can be caught, right? If, exactly. If, yeah. I was just about to say, yeah. I, I think, um, like the gentleman like said about the fact that a lot of people just want to look for some sort of hope. And especially during a time where um, it's so late in the year, it's very easy to get caught up in these things and not understand um, when people are using big words or jargon, mm. it's easy to just trust somebody, especially when you feel like they 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 come from where you come from yeah, and they understand the part that you've experienced. Mm. So I, I do think there's such a huge emotional element, and, and that was at play here. That I mean, the, the best of the best could could fall into these types of traps. The only problem is the recourse available for people with or without. Is, is very different. You know, that's, that's the differentiating factor. And I think that's why he targeted people who can't really, don't really have the means yeah. or the time or the energy to start, you know, going forth with these things. And it's great that they, that they have actually got a voice who's trying to do something about it. But what I would say is align your objectives with someone who has the same resources. Sometimes the police do not have the same resources, but I do think that when it comes to things like SARS, they do have the resources and they do want to make an example um, where of, of certain cases. And they do put their resources behind that specific, um, that specific objective, which is making an example of things that can make a mockery of the system. Uh, and, and I think that's what SARS does somewhat try and, and run on is a little bit of the citizen fear that, you mm. know, things can, that you need to stay in line and it, it does keep people in line to some extent. Uh, and I do think that that is a place that you can go, you can report fraud, you can at least get a good follow up. Uh, and, and you're able to say, look, we, we know, here's a picture of, of this amount. You can probably find out that 
you can probably conduct some form of a lifestyle audit and find more information out that can lead you to what's going on. And and in more in most cases, if they're not going to be um, if if they're not going to be honest with the people that they're taking money from, they're not going to be honest with um, with stars either. And further to that, you might find that they're taking money under some precedent that they're not legally allowed to right. because you're not just allowed to collect money from people willy-nilly. There are governing laws and principles, and they might bring in some other regulatory bodies to, to kind of pile on on this situation because it's not a small <sighs> chance of change. This is, if you're talking about $10 million, right, there's 10, almost, if, if, there's, if there are no expenses, it's 2.7 million rand that's, not being given over to, to size. And, yeah. and we're not even talking about the VAT element. Another 1.5 million if there needs to be a VAT implication uh, on, on something like this. Because in my understanding, you know, I don't see this as being termed as just an investment unless they have the right paperwork. And if there's still dividends tax, there's still this, there's still that. So there are a lot of things that I think stars would be interested in seeing that, hey, hey, this guy took a lot of money and he's not he's not paying for it at all and, and and it's definitely people don't live life they live patterns so i promise you there's something else in this guy's history that would uh just again pile up on on this we're talking about ways that you can be implicated into a crime so knowledge has been scammed okay there is mm-hmm. somebody who is doing a criminal activity and he and his cohort of people have been scammed is there any legal implication that possibly they, as people who've been scammed, could possibly be sitting with? Um, Natasha? That's for me. Melusi? Oh, I Iva. think that was definitely Melusi. Go ahead, Melusi. <laughs> go ahead. Um, I look, they've, they've, they've got uh, agreements that or show as if there was something that was legit, that was being done. So as long as they've got this explanation, I don't think anything will happen to them. Right. There might be suspicions, but as long as they can explain that we thought that this person was legit, and here are the agreements that we had with him to show that we thought he was going to pay us. We also requested payments when he didn't make them in December to make them in January. Yeah. So basically, he's running away and he's a fraud. So okay. that can be a defense that one can use. Sure. Okay. All the best to your knowledge and uh, mm-hmm. let us know the process as it goes. Daniel in Pretoria. Hi, Daniel. Yes, how are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, good, man. I just want to find out. I've got an MPO uh, uh, organization. Mm. So uh, uh, sometimes we need uh, people to donate into the into our organization. Mm. Okay. Daniel. So yeah, I just want. I must hold on. Hello. We're on the radio. <laughs> are you are Hello, you okay? okay? Go ahead. So sometimes you have people donate to your MPO, and then. Yeah. Then I don't know the money that is coming in whether it's legit money or. It, uh, so how do I get the people to donate? I mean, especially the public. So are you are you concerned about money laundering, like people cleaning their money through you? Yes, okay. something like that. You okay. see, so I mean, how do I how do I know that the money that is being donated is legit or something like that? You know. All right, Daniel. Uh, Melusi, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes. Mm. I think the challenge is 
you obviously have an NGO for children and you need the money like now. So if someone says they're going to give you 500,000, you obviously not really check, but if you ask them again, like where's your money coming from, maybe they might be reluctant to give you. So it's a tricky situation, but as long as you can have for your own defense, again, you have some agreements which are specific what you're doing and what you're requesting the money for so that when there are questions that you must answer, you are able to provide uh, answers to say this is what was happening and this is the project that you are doing for children and you were of the view that the money is legit just to protect yourself because I don't see if a person is getting the money illegally, they won't tell you they're getting the money illegally. I don't see them saying, no, we got it illegal. So just make sure you've got agreement as to what you are doing with the, with, with, with the project that you're doing for the money. I hope that makes sense to you, Daniel. All right, let's move down the line. We've spoken about money laundering um, and tax issues as well. Can we talk about insider trading? Is that even such a big thing anymore? It feels like it was a Wolf of Wall Street type of uh, times, but talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, I'll start on that. Go ahead, Melusia. Okay. Uh, Obviously, insider trading is where you use non-public information to make a public trade when it comes to JSD. Obviously, for... For, for people on the ground, it's not a usual thing. Mm. I'll say in, in inverted commas, it's a rich man's uh, crime, a white-collar crime. But it's basically using information that is not in the public to gain an advantage, an advantage in the trade. So how, how you may find yourself in a bit of a shakedown is where someone gives you information that is non-public and you unknowingly not knowing that it's not in the public domain. You use that information, you get an advantage, and you make an extra amount of money. But then it's found out that you are not supposed to access that information. So that's where the trick comes in. So basically, there's information that you are not supposed to know. And once you get to obtain that information, you can get an advantage, which is where the inside the trading crime comes into effect. Yeah. And obviously that's illegal. It's very well documented. Uh, We've seen how that that works. Uh, I just want to get to people's comments and questions, okay? Um, This is from Fonzo, who says, I once refused a lotto deal where I was applying for a company, uh, sorry, a community project for 300,000. And the people organizing wanted me to put it at 1.5 million, and then they would keep the 1.2 million. Fortunately, because I would have been liable for the 1.5 million taxable. Natasha, he's on the right track. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 if this is with Lotto, I can't start with an NPO or an NPC. Uh-huh. Um, and this is actually something that I did post, well, the post to post about recently, I posted it on my Fact with Tash story. Is this misconception that NPCs and NPOs do not pay taxes? Mm. Their only time NPCs and NPOs are exempt from paying taxes is if they get a tax exemption certificate, which is a manual process. You will know if you are a public benefit organization. 
um, and you have your Section 18A certificate issued out, which also means that when people donate to you, they can donate a port, they can uh, reduce their personal taxable business taxes by a percentage of what they've donated to you. Uh, and so, in actual fact, the NPOs and NPCs go through the same process of income expenses, um, assets, liabilities, and getting to profit and getting to tax at the applicable tax rate. So that, that is the case. If they receive the full funds, and what happens is if you are left with 100000 there's only so much of that 100000 you can spend. Let's say you spent the whole thing. It's 900000 rand that is essentially looking like, you know, it's profit because, again, most people are not going to declare these expenses. If they do, that's great. But in a lot of cases, I mean, if I'm an accountant, I don't want to hear about that, mm. you know. So um, most people don't talk about it if they don't declare it. Uh, the numbers do speak for themselves. But again, if someone takes out cash, they can justify it however they want to. And in some cases, they like to say, you know, it's just a loan repayment or things like that, which is not taxable. So like I'm saying, uh, in a lot of cases, <laughs> either way, whatever is left over from your trading activities, you're liable for the taxes. And it's not like they're going to start deducting tax when they're giving over these funds to um, these people. You know, they're not mm. going to say, well, please, you wanted a million, but I need to pay tax. Mm. It's not really going to fly. People don't want to have to deal with that. So, yeah, the tax liability still stays on the person. Very, very interesting. The number to dial is zero eight six one nine eight seven triple zero. We're talking about, you know, um, crimes. These are financial crimes that you might not know that you are committing. Um, and we've got tax specialist Natasha Law, Dondo Attorney MD Melusi Kulu, who are both here to talk to us a little bit more about that. Melusi, you were doing so well going down the line of all of the different types of crimes. Have we covered them all? Is there anything left to cover for there us? Are so many. Let's, let's go let's go to corruption or bribery. Okay. Uh, I think we've got a few minutes. Of course. You know, sometimes... Always for go, bribery and corruption, we've got <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you go to a government department, there's a long line, you're in a hurry, and then you just say to someone, look, I just want to quickly do this uh, or get this document and whatever. Yes, you rent. You know, it's a small amount of money, but you'll be thinking, you know, this will possibly make your things easy. Like we call it food drinking in, in our township lingo. Slash so, cold drinking. Yeah, cold drinking, yes. So you obviously do that just because you want to quickly, you know, get ahead of the line. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's corruption mm. and it's a crime. So you end up being punished for 50 rands whilst you're just trying to get ahead. So it's a small thing. You'll be thinking you're just being clever, but you'll find yourself, you know, uh, now being, being reported. I've also seen, just one more second, I've also seen a situation where there was a certain prosecutor who was prosecuting, I think, a person who owned a game farm. Mm-hmm. So he, he promised him that he would, he would come to his game farm and hunt. Mm-hmm. And now they're finding themselves in the dock, all two or three of them, for those exchange of favors. So just be aware of the favor situation in, in the public domain. Break it down for us legally. What's the penalty if somehow you get put away or uh, charged for buying cold drink? It it can be a a payment of a fine, obviously, if it's a minor thing. 
can be a payment of a fine including extent to a prison imprisonment but the, the, the important thing is you'll be finding yourself having a criminal record and mm. that's what you should avoid so like a 1000 rand fine a 10000 rand fine in between there yeah okay. or it can be suspended but it's still a criminal record that's crazy and for that to happen whoever you're trying to bribe would have to ring the alarm, right? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Natasha, anything to add there on bribery and corruption? I think just a, a kind of philosophical thought mm. out there is that I've, I've often spoken about this with uh, young business owners that have mm. come my way, is we often equate success with having to do something nefarious. Mm. When we think of the concept of success, it's very hard for someone to picture it as a as a straight and narrow road, as a road where you didn't have to do anything or didn't have to know anybody or didn't have to pay something. And I think just the challenge to everyday people is to rid ourselves of being okay with that level of corruption Mm. and being okay with becoming people that if we want to achieve any sort of success or break out of a certain cycle, that we have to lay ourselves down and become worse and worse down the line in, in, in corruption. Um, and we're just, we're just too okay with it. I think that's it's a, it's a very bothersome concept is that mm. we don't think we can see someone succeed and not think that they had some upper hand that they were entitled to. Obviously, we know where we come from and why we, we felt like we needed to do certain things. But as we're moving into, especially things like the election year, just really thinking long and hard as, as individual citizens, how do we exercise that power that we have and the decisions that we have, which is not just once every four years with yeah. an X on a, on a card, but every day, how do mm. we think about um, how we approach decisions that shape us, shape our families, shape our cities, shape our nation? Okay, we've got a voice note and we've got a phone call. Uh, let's go for our phone call. Wandile Mulevadzi, hello. Hello, you're on the air. I'm good. Uh, thank you so much for the call. As usual, public great show. Thanks, Wendy. Um, I had a, a text question. Um, mm. I'm the PRO in my other life of like a community that I'm a part of in North West mm. called the Communal Property Association, um, which is registered with the government and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I just want to understand: Does the NP the so we're an NPC? Uh, I don't understand what's the difference because uh, obviously we are community. We want support from corporates like uh, Sasol or whoever really to come and do investments into the community for schools, clinics, that kind of stuff. How get the tax credit that I just heard the other lady speak about with the specialist? Because um, I think it'd be very important for us because obviously corporates of Africa want to get involved with changing the country, and we sometimes don't know how to do it. If that's <laughs> it absolutely does make sense, Wandile, but it needs more time. And we, I'm looking at the oh. clock and we've got 10 seconds left of our show and we do have to run. But what we're going to do is we're going to connect you to Natasha. Natasha, I'm sure you won't mind uh, just a conversation uh, of nope. sorts. And then I think that that's quite important also to run through the different types of uh, registered entities and the tax implications of those entities. So we'll set that conversation up as well. I hope that's okay. Melusi Ulu, thank you very much. Natasha Lord, thank you very much. And thank you, our beautiful power person. I'm 
out of here. So, uh, God willing, we're back together between midday and three tomorrow for more Power Lunch. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.